Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to episode 52 of Empty Betters. I'm your host, Harrison Scholes, and I'm going to toss it off across to the screen to my co-host, per usual, as always, Nick Manella. How we doing, buddy? What up? Doing well. How about you? Can't complain. Just a typical typical Tuesday in the life, except with Tuesday Night Football. We'll get into that in a second. This and is I, awesome. I oh, mean, I love, I, I love these like... You know, we had two Monday night games last night. Loved that first one. That was awesome. Uh, and then we have another game tonight. So, I mean, it's a little stressful if you're a fantasy football player because you're constantly, you know, I'm like sort of ready to mentally move to the next week. And like, you know, of course, I can't really move anyone around to see who I'm stacking up against. But whatever, I'm dog shit this year anyway. So who cares? <laughs> I got a big matchup tonight, not only it for my fandom, but for fantasy as well. And uh, now I'm going to toss it off to producer on the West Coast, Mac Vogel. How we doing, buddy? Not so bad. How are you guys? Doing all right. Doing Hanging all right. in there. Like yeah, the jersey you got. Down. Thank you. Yeah, I was uh, I was rocking a Boston College hockey sweater earlier today, and then I took a shower, switched over to the Ravens jersey. I have two Ravens jerseys right now, and uh, they're both of former players. So, like, I'm definitely one of those superstitious guys that's like, okay, which jersey has, like, the good juju today? Yep, I'm the same uh, way. And this is, like, a newer-style jersey. It's C.J. Mosley. But then the other one I have is, like, an old jersey, and it's uh, Stover. So There you I, go. I did rock Stover last week because he's number three, and we had RG3 going, but um, a lot of good that did us. So, anyway, hope – Hoping for some better results. It's a must must win for the Vens tonight. Uh, yeah, it, for sure. A lot of anxiety. A, a lot of anxiety in my heart right now. Fun fact: Speaking of Juju, did you guys know that Juju's real name is um, John Sherman? John Sherman Smith Schuster. <laughs> That's a That's good a name. Mouthful. Yeah, That's I like it. Though. It sounds really like. Is it a good name? Legit. I don't know if yeah. it's a good football name, but it's just Not like a good, good like it's a good lawyer name. Exactly. He it sounds it sounds real like professional. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Or like a senator. I could see him like yeah. Yeah. I have a I have a lot of comments that I'm gonna refrain from saying. Um anyways, yeah, the Ravens play tonight against the Cowboys. We're recording this right now on Tuesday, Jan or January, Jesus, December eighth. Uh, I'm way ahead of myself. Big game. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Ravens win. I can't believe I said that. I'm going to get absolutely roasted by someone on, if they listen to this. So, I'm. you know what? Sometimes you got to die for something, right? And I'm going to die on this probably. But whatever. I think the Ravens win 31-20. So, does that mean you're taking the spread at minus nine? You're damn right, Sweden. Ha <laughs> I think the Ravens get it done 23 to 17. Nice. I like that prediction. I Mac. think my only prediction for the game is call. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. That, was, that might have been the best moment on this podcast ever. Uh, for all you I'm glad understand you understood. Like, you all looked at me for a second. I was like, oh, yeah. God, do they even if know what I. If you know, you know. It's one of those yep. moments. I'm not going to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so today we uh, were actually fortunate enough to get an interview with goaltender Brian Cantor. Uh, that interview will be in the middle of the episode after we go over the league news. Uh, you know, we were lucky enough to get <clears throat> a little bit of Brian's time. He's busy coaching right now and stuff. He played professionally in Sweden last year. 
a lot of good stories, local guy from Maryland. So we appreciate him coming on and some absolutely hilarious junior stories that you definitely will not want to miss. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but before we get to that, I'm going to toss it off to the guy who's usually driving the school bus on the show, Nick. So just some news to get to. So obviously we have the World Juniors coming up. That's the closest form of hockey we have. So I'm super pumped for that, and y'all should be too. Uh, although both of these players are eligible to play for their countries in this tournament this year, neither Alexi Lafreniere or Jack Hughes are going to play for USA and Canada. So obviously not a decision that they made. This is obviously something that's being passed down uh, by the Rangers and by the Devils, respectively. You know, I can understand this. These two are probably the face and future of your franchise. You know, the last two first overall picks, and you obviously don't want them, you know, fucking it up by getting injured right before the season starts. Sucks for us because uh, the United States trying to go up against the roster that Canada has right now. I mean, they need all the help they can get. Canada's roster. I mean, I think they have two guys who already have NHL experience under their belt. So uh, it's definitely a double-edged sword, but I wish we could have seen Hughes get another year. And Canada opened up as minus 150 favorites for the tournament. So, uh, you know, what else is new? I think USA was second at what, plus 275? Plus 300, I think. Okay, yeah, so. something like that. Isn't it funny? Like, I don't know. I feel like especially in hockey, it's very rare to see somebody at the beginning of a playoffs or at the beginning of a tournament actually be minus. Like, usually the favorite is at least, like, plus 100 or plus 200 or something like that. But, like, with yep. this tournament, man, Canada just, and especially with the team they've got this year, yeah. it's not looking so good. <laughs> All the pressure's on them. They're at home, too. That's I true. Know there's, yeah. I know there's no fans there, but I, do you think any Canadian's going to go to work for like that whole week? Well, we, we saw, or, you know, we heard from Zach Fucali a couple episodes ago about the expectation going into, you know, that type of tournament or, or really any tournament where you're wearing the Canada sweater they don't mess around when it comes to hockey and there's always an expectation that you're going to win. So, yeah. And I think, you know, touching on some other news that kind of ties to this, Nick, like you said, the two big names aren't uh, playing in the tournament per Craig, Craig, Greg Wyshynski couple hours ago today. Uh, sounds like per his sources, the NHL is dead set on a start date on January 13th or 15th. Which one was it? Thirteen. January 13th. So um, there was a rumor going around that players got ordered to go back to their home cities. And then we saw McDavid put up the Instagram story of him coming home to his dog in Edmonton. So that kind of seems like it makes sense. Uh, It sounds like we're going to have a start in just over a month, which is kind of wild. Yeah, obviously nothing's like the the NHL themselves have not released a statement yet. But basically what Ryshinsky said is from he, he tweeted this. He said from an NHL NHL exec this morning, the NHL season is starting January 13th. Confirmed last night we're going to be playing 56 games. The sides are still talking, but this is what someone who would be in the know told me. Personally, I'm a bit more confident about the 56 games than I am cementing January 13th as the start date. So I think there's definitely some logistics that still have to be worked out. Um, I know Emily Kaplan backed that up with a bunch of uh, tweets as well. She went into, you know, NHL, NHLPA, and of course all the money shit that we can't stand, but is essential to this business. So it, it it's moving in the right direction and it's tentatively going to start the 13th. So I'm excited. 
that's all I have to say. Yeah, let me be like super naive just for a second, just so I can fantasize for like a hot second. But as soon as I saw that Jan 13 thing this morning, of course, my mind, that's just the way my brain works. And, you know, I don't want to get anyone else's hopes up, but all I could think was just like, okay, Jan 13 start date. Sounds like we're getting a vaccine soon. Like we might have like full stands by playoffs or something like that. Like might, might not even be an issue. I know I'm teasing all y'all. I really don't tickle my balls like that. I hope that could be a reality. I just don't know. Yeah. Well, time will tell. I mean, look, at least things are rolling in the right direction. The season's not going to end at a normal time anyway. So in my mind, what the hell is the difference between starting in January and February? The only difference is I'm impatient and I'm selfish and I want to watch hockey. But the world juniors will will hold me over just a little bit. For sure. And let me put it this way. I feel like, um, yeah, as you said, the world juniors is a good good little appetizer for us. But uh, I feel like at least it's safe to say there is an end in sight, you know, to this thing. Like it's not just this big abyss. There's that light at the end of the tunnel. There's suddenly, yeah, it's it's coming. Yeah. Uh, Kaplan backed up what Wyshynski said by saying uh, that obviously this proposed plan, the NHL and NHLPA tentatively have on the table is going to include temporary division and realignment, which we all knew, uh, change to schedule, change with health protocols, of course, and it's got to be approved by both sides. This is nothing new to us. Uh, the NHL is also a, reportedly figuring out a way to help owners with cash flow. On Monday, the Sports Business Journal reported that NBA teams will receive $30 million each from the league to help with finances and protect against any like liquidation issues during the pandemic. And a league source told ESPN on Monday that the NHL is working on a similar plan, but did not release any details. So it's good to see that they're doing something to help, uh, you know, these struggling teams out. We talked about Tampa Bay a couple weeks ago having to lay off, I think, what was it, like 10% of their job force? So um, it's good to see them, you know, taking care of these guys. And I, ultimately, I know a lot of this comes down to money for the owners and for the teams. Yeah, I mean, you, you say it, I feel like, every episode, and, you know, it sounds like a broken record, but it's true, is at the end of the day, this is a business, and this is the, the part of the game that we probably don't quite fully understand, but uh, good for the NHL. I mean, that's that's all I got to say. So um, that's really it in terms of updates and news, and it's not even really updates and news, it's more so speculation, but we're getting excited for the World Juniors over here, and We'll probably do something for that on the social media pages, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, Should we hop into the Brian interview? Yep, let's do it. All right, Uh, but before we do, (laughs) this interview is brought to you by Brackish Life. If you're like us and grew up on the water and outdoors, then Brackish Life is perfect for you. They have a wide selection of gear from UV shirts to hoodies and hats. It's Real Bay Apparel made by Real Bay people. Head to brackish.life today to check them out. A little salty, a little fresh, Brackish Life. Brackish Life has also teamed up with Rink to Reef Chesapeake Bay to preserve the area many of us call home. Rink to Reef repurposes broken hockey sticks into oyster restoration habitats. Brackish Life donates a portion of their proceeds to Rink to Reef to further preserve the beautiful Chesapeake Bay area. Support this great cause by checking out brackish.life today. I just want to take a moment and say, wow, I didn't mess up rank to read. That was phenomenal. That was like the the Jordan flu game. I nailed restoration so well, and I looked at it and got scared. 
Um, <laughs> I could see you like <laughs> doubting yourself for a hot second. Like, oh no. Yeah. Restoration, restoration. You never know. You never know. <laughs> and also that little giggle at the start. It's awesome because if you've been a long time listener, I used to like tickle everyone's balls at the start of an episode and be like presented by, and then I wouldn't say anything. Well, now it is presented by it. So who's laughing now? That's amazing, actually. All right. Anyways, we're going to take this over to Brian right now. And we are now welcomed by a special guest who we've been trying to get on for a while now, but due to the pandemic, we kind of had a big delay. Brian Cantor, welcome to the Empty Betters podcast. How's it going, boys? We appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, you know, we're going to do our usual interview process here with Brian, like we do with all the guests, kind of get to know him, where he came from, what his kind of story has been. So, uh, Brian, where are you from? Like, how'd you get into hockey? Um, pretty sure that you're local just like us so we always like to hear how the local guys kind of got started yeah i'm from uh spurs point it's a small town about 15 minutes outside baltimore city um my dad played towson's club team like uh they kind of canceled for a while and then they came back and my dad was on the first team when they came back Mm -hmm. But he was, like, terrible. Couldn't skate. My grandparents were like, literally, we don't even go watch him because he's on his ass the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) So he played men's league and stuff. And when I was growing up, my uh, mom took me to a few games. And she was like, you were just mesmerized, like, from the second we walked in. Nice. So never looked back. Yeah, I feel like that's how a lot of us started out. It was either, like, an older brother or dad just either taking you to the game or going to watch him play. And, you know, I feel like once you catch that bug, you're not getting rid of it. Oh, yeah. Any roller hockey in there? Is there any street hockey? Oh, I still play, yeah. Yeah? Are you in there? No, I'm sorry. You go. I played uh, street hockey, like, every day. And I live in a cul-de-sac, and I would Mm -hmm. play every day after school until it was time to go to practice. Um now I just play like men's league up at Free State and stuff like that. That's the league I was talking about, Nick. For in regards to yesterday, we were talking about joining a team. Yeah, I think a- we need to get in on that. Yeah, Let me know. Sure. Mighty drunks always looking for players. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I can live up to the name. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> That's all that we care about. Right. <laughs> we don't win many games because we're the only team that drinks. <laughs> <laughs> so so start us from square one you know um what was the first team you played for what age did you start kind of walk us through the whole playing career uh i think i did cross ice mites actually with uh Dieter. him and i were the goalies in cross ice mites together um there you go and his dad and I, and my dad um along with mike shramick were the guys that uh taught us how to play and everything uh and then i went to the baltimore stars uh, back when they used to be out of Ice World. Hey, represent. represent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look at this. Literally there. got it on the arm. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's sick. I really wish we had video recording right now for that. That's um, really We'll post it. <laughs> um, after uh, the Stars, I think they moved to Ricerstown when that rink was built, and the North Stars started out of Ice World. Uh, so I switched over to the North Stars. I played there until I was 17, and then I left for juniors my senior year of high school. Um, I went and played in Florida uh, for the Junior Blades. So, so I want to touch on that a little more, and I, I have a bad memory, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that um, 
Costa, I don't know if Costa played there when he went to Florida. I know he played in like I think he played for a different team in Florida. Okay. Yeah, it's been a while since we we interviewed him. But talk about that experience. I mean, playing juniors in Florida, it sounds like you're living the life. Yeah, that was uh that was a lot of fun. Uh it was right next to FGCU. Um so as a 17-year-old kid, uh we would get home from a road trip or whatever, have an off weekend. We'd go sit on the beach and drink all day and then come back. And I think like six of the guys on our team went to FGCU. So we had just massive parties in this house that some of the guys lived in. And it was all FGCU kids and then our team. That's so awesome. I was like 17 years old, youngest kid on you know at the party every single time. <laughs> and just <laughs> getting wow. the shit beat out of me by all the vets and shit like that. <laughs> It's just like you're like in a fraternity at age seven. Yeah, pretty much. Um, That's so cool. That's no, awesome. it was it was really cool. Um, I had never been away from home really, other than like traveling for tournaments and stuff like that. So it was the first time I had, uh, you know, played outside of Maryland, and I didn't get a lot of playing time that year. But uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I still talked to a few of the guys, um, and actually with Towson, we went and played against FGCU, and like eight of my old teammates were on the team. So that was pretty cool to see them like That's six awesome. years later. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I found um, – and I'll let you continue on your career in a second, but I found you on EliteProspects.com, and this – I'd be hard-pressed to find someone with the same track record, I think. Uh, you go from Florida Junior Blades, then to East Coast Eagles, a couple years with Frederick Freeze, come back local. Uh, I'm going to mess this up. Kalkaska. There you go. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you hop there, then you play D3 at Becker. Yeah. And then you come back and play club at Towson for three years, and then you decide, oh, yeah, I'll go play, you know, professional <laughs> in Sweden. So uh, quite interesting. Yeah, I kind of bounced around a lot. Um, I was always looking to move up. So in Florida, I was our third goalie. And the coach – I mean, we were the best team in all of Tier 3, I think, that year. We lost one game in a shootout the entire season. And then we went to nationals and lost in the semifinals um, to a team we beat like seven to one in the season. Like for no reason, we just somehow couldn't get it done. That shit happens. Yeah, it was that was uh, that was a rough ending to the season because everyone thought we were going to get a ring. But, um, you know, I, I really wanted to move up and play at higher levels. Um, and a coach from East Coast Eagles reached out to me. Um, and he said that he thought that, you know, I'd be a good starting goalie for his team. So I was like, all right, cool. Sign the contract. And then when I got there, I didn't even realize that the contract was for the league above what I played the season before. <laughs> oh, shit. oh shit. Yeah. So Whoops. I was like, I was really excited when I got to camp and he was like, no, you're not on that team. You're over here. And I was like, oh shit. Moving yeah. on up. Oh, fine print. <laughs> Read the fine print. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. Um, and then I was supposed to play in the NA uh, the year after that. Um, I think a month before camp or something like that. It was within a month. Uh, the team contacted me and said that some kid that got drafted to the OHL no longer wanted to go to the O. So they pretty much took him instead of me. And then I ended up at Frederick. Um, one of my buddies called me up and was like, hey, we need a goalie. Like, do you have a team? And I was like, well, I guess I'll come play. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and then Michigan, I was at an NA camp uh, in Johnstown, and the coach came up to me. He was like, hey, listen, he's like, these guys aren't going to take you. He's like, I played in the NHL for eight years. I know what it takes. Like, come play for me, and I'll help you out as much as I can. So my dad was like, sounds good. <laughs> Damn. And we pretty much it. just went wherever I was going to play the most. Right, right. So going to your Frederick Freeze experience, did you? I'm just curious. Did you ever play with uh, the Paris brothers or one of the Paris brothers? I actually grew up playing with Matt Paris almost okay. my entire life. I played with um, his little brother my whole life. So yeah. really, Greg? Yeah, yeah I played. With I Greg. Uh, I had a class with Greg at Towson actually. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, Matt was. I don't think he was on our Freeze team that year. Um. But yeah, I played with him for probably six years growing up, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I have a hilarious story about the freeze. Okay. Um, We're all ears. <laughs> so I got there and, you know, all the guys uh, told me that I was like, they thought that I was just a prick at first. Just because I was making like a windmill save here and there and like making <laughs> flashy stuff happen. And um, so the guys were like all like, trying to get under my skin at first but then now i still like have like four of those guys as like some of my best friends like we got over that in like a couple of weeks or whatever but first day at camp with the frederick freeze the cops come in they go around like i'm in the net in the crease we're doing like a scrimmage or something the cops walk to the bench and take the head coach off of the bench in handcuffs and they just walk out and everyone's like Oh, my God. <laughs> what the hell is going on? <laughs> so we get off the ice, and the assistant coach comes up and goes, yeah, Como got arrested. Um, we don't really know the details, but, like, you know, we're just going to play it by ear. <laughs> uh, apparently he had uh, – I don't – yeah, he apparently was on his motorcycle with his girlfriend, and he, like, got in a car accident and just, like, hopped her off and drove away. <laughs> Holy shit. So they Jesus came and they came Christ. and arrested him at camp and we were just like what's happening? <laughs> Did he come back that season or Yeah, he was back like a week later and oh, we man. never talked we never <laughs> talked about it. That sounds about right. That sounds we about never right. talked about it. It was yeah. just something that you know everyone knew but no one discussed. Right. You gotta wonder like what he's thinking on the bench. He's just like watching the game or watching the scrimmage or whatever, and just sees the cops like enter the building. He's like, oh fuck. <laughs> Starts looking around. He's like, "Could it be anyone else yeah, besides me? Yeah. Maybe that's not for me. Maybe let's just see." Um, it, that's a that's an all time one. Um, so you know, there's a lot on uh, your your profile here. So I'm I'm kind of gonna bounce around a little bit from team to team. So I apologize. Okay. But what was your uh, what was your experience at Becker like? I'm kind of skipping over. You said it earlier. I can't Kalkaska. say. Yeah, Kalkaska. <laughs> That's right. The people in Michigan don't even know what that means. Okay. Um, no, at Becker, uh, that was a tough time for me. Um, I had uh, signed a contract to go play in uh, the Belgium Netherlands League uh, when I was 20. Mm -hmm. And then um, the coach got fired, uh, I think, a month before my flight. I had gear ordered. My apartment was ready. There was a car out front of my apartment. Like, everything was set and ready to go. And then the coach calls me. He's like, hey, dude, like, coach got fired. I'm the new coach. I have no idea who you are or, like, anything about you. He's like, I'm bringing my, in my own goalie. So, like. Oh, my God. 
he was like, sorry, dude, your contract's terminated. And he hung up the phone. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> did uh, he go to jail too? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wish he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'd reached out to my coach from Kalkaska and I was like, dude, I have no idea. Like we've had this set in stone for like six months. I have no idea what to do about school. I don't even know the first thing about college hockey because <laughs> I had always planned on trying to go play in Europe. Right. And uh, so he put me in touch with this advisor and um, he was like, what do you want to do? I was like, I just want to play one year and then go to Europe. And he was like, all right, well, I'll just, you know, send you to a place that, you know, has your major that you want or whatever and see how it goes and where you'll play the most. Um, so he sent me to Becker. And when I got to Becker, um, they told me that I was, you know, just as good as all the other goalies, but I wasn't going to play because I was a freshman. <laughs> That's the dumbest reason I think I could ever hear is that someone's age, regardless of their <laughs> skill level, impacts how much playtime they get. He was a very old-fashioned coach, um, okay. really old guy. Um, he actually ended up passing away the summer after I left. Um, but he was all about, like, the guys have – that have put the time in deserve, you know, their time now or whatever. So right. I guess that's how the whole system worked. I didn't know that going in. Um, so I think I only got to play in like four games and I only played one full game the entire season. Right. Uh, but I had to dress for every game. So I had to be ready every game, but only got to actually play four times. Um, right. But yeah, that was, that was a tough time. Yeah. And then after that, I'm assuming you know, since you didn't play, like you mentioned, things went south and you decided to just kind of play at Towson. Is that how that all worked? Yeah, um, I actually – I had a lot of fun at Becker. I got to play golf, hockey, and lacrosse all at the D3 level. Um, <laughs> got to play in, you know, the NCAA championships for golf. Um, we made it to the playoffs in hockey, and then we lost in the finals uh, in lacrosse. So, you know, all in all, it was a pretty good year. Uh, made a lot of buddies. Um but at the end of the year, we had our like exit meetings uh, to see like who was coming back and stuff like that with the coaching staff. And uh, the coach told me, he was like, hey, man, like, you know, thought you had a great year, but, uh, you know, it's going to be the same kind of thing next year because we still have a guy in front of you. And I was like, well, dude, like I'm not coming back. I was like, you told me I was going to play a lot of games this year. And I didn't. So I was like, this isn't really. You know, what yeah. I was looking a for. A lot isn't for. Yeah. And I was like, you knew that. Like, we had this conversation before I committed here. Like, you know, you just kind of screwed me over. And he was like, well, if that's how you feel, like, we can't stop you. So I talked to, I think, eight other Division three schools um, over the next course of that month or whatever. And it was all the same thing. Um, $24,000 a year or whatever, even some of that with scholarship, you know, stuff. So I was like, I don't want to come out of school $100,000 in debt and all this, that, and the other. So I called Ed up at Towson. I was like, dude, I think I'm coming home. I was like, is there a spot at Towson? And he was like, yeah, dude. He's like, we actually need goalies, so please come. Go. That's awesome. So, and That's I awesome. just came home and got to play with Dieter and a couple of guys I played with in youth hockey again. So it was pretty cool. So, what? I mean, three years there, right? Or am I wrong? Uh, technically it was two. Uh, two. I dropped out the third year and I think I only played two games okay. uh, so, before that. So what was your two year experience? Like, I mean, I, we know a lot of the guys that you, that you played with. I'm just curious, you know, as, 
like you hear club college hockey and I feel like some people's brains goes to, it's just a complete gong show and like, it's probably wild. And then the other half is like, if it's a good program, you know, they take it seriously. So I want to know what your experience was. Yeah. um, My entire life I've kind of dedicated to this hockey thing. Um, So, you know, the last, what was it? Six, five or six years I'd been playing, you know, past youth hockey where every day it's eight hours a day training, working out, skating, you know, whatever, eating right, you know, doing everything you could possibly do. And then I came to Towson and, you know, there were guys showing up like still drunk from the night before. And, you know, people were coming to games, like not even like being able to open their eyes. They were so hung over <laughs> and shit. And I was like, Fuck, like this goes against everything that I've like known for like, the you know last five six years of my life um but i think everybody was kind of we definitely had a few people that uh didn't enjoy it um and then most of the guys were all on the same page i didn't really you know care too much uh, unless we got spanked but (laughs) that didn't happen too often um but i mean we had a lot of fun we had the win or lose we booze mentality so you know after the Saturday night games, uh, we didn't play on most Sundays, so we'd all go out to the bar as a team and stuff like that. So we had, you know, we had definitely had some good times. Um, it was just a little different than what I was used to in the previous years. No, and that's understandable. That's It's kind of like I preface my statement with these. Sometimes you hear stories of clubs who take it really seriously and other times it's a gong show. So, I mean, it, it, it seems like it's kind of a, a mix. Yeah, I had some buddies uh, that I played with at Becker that transferred to like Liberty or, you know, some pretty cool schools that have some, you know, big programs. And they were like, yeah, we train harder than we did at, you know, D3. Right, <laughs> so, right. I had I had this pulled up and I, I, I thought I still did, but I don't. I must have exited out the tab. But when I saw that you went from ACHA over to Sweden, I was trying to see if anyone else had followed that path. I there was one guy in like 2016. His name was Kerry. I can't remember his last name. But his name was Kerry, and he went to Liberty, and he had the same path that you did. Mm-hmm. I wish I still had the link up, but I don't. There's actually quite a few guys that do it. He was a goalie too. Yeah. I don't know if you've mentioned yet on this show that you're a goalie. I think that's probably kind of important. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Didn't um, wasn't there that guy named Austin Matthews that decided to go play in Europe? I mean, you yeah. know. He, he played yeah. in a much uh, better league. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so obviously I think the big attraction on your profile is now you've got a season in Sweden under your belt. You got to talk about that. I mean, we've, we've had some crazy stories of guys who've gone to Switzerland. I'm curious to hear what Sweden's like. Yeah. Um, I kind of had some mixed emotions about Sweden. Um, I wanted to do a lot more traveling. Um, but I didn't really have much opportunity to. I took my uh, big break and came home during Christmas. I was going to actually go backpacking through Europe instead, but coach gave me like an extra week and a half. So I had like two and a half weeks of downtime and I was like, all right, I'm just going to fly home and, you know, go see everyone. Um, But it was really weird because I was so excited. Didn't even do any research about where the team was. I was just like, Sweden, that's where I'm going. So didn't care about the town, you know, whatever. Definitely should have looked more into that. Um, on the plane ride there, uh, I had like an hour layover and 
we ended up having like a two hour delay. So then the whole flight schedule got all, you know, bumped around. And I met this guy on the plane who was always going back and forth between Sweden and Maryland. Um, and he was telling me, you know, about places I should go. And he was like, you know, there's some places you definitely don't want to be. And he was like, where's your team? So I told him and he was like, Oh, he was like, that's one of the places you don't want to be. <laughs> I oh. was like, no. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> so now I have this in my head, like shit, now I'm not going to have any fun. Like this town's going to suck. Um, and then my trains got delayed. So my GM ended up having to drive like two and a half hours to come pick me up from this other train station because there were no other trains to where I was at the time. Um, so he already was kind of like pissed. I mean, it wasn't my fault, but like I could tell when we met, like he wasn't very happy that he had to drive five hours at, you know, 10 o'clock at night. Um, and then uh, I got to go through all like the gear stuff. Like that was really cool. Um, and then when we started actually playing, I was like, oh, this is like, you know, this is a lot of fun. You know, the guys, we had, you know, a couple of uh, like team bonding events where we, you know, pretty much just got shit housed and, you know, <laughs> got to know each other. Um, what, uh, what was the makeup of the team like? Was it predominantly European? Was there a good mix of North American guys in there as well? There was, we had the two guys from Slovakia. Um, and then there was me and my roommate who was from Florida. Um, but he ended up getting sent down, I think a month and a half in maybe. So he, and then I had a Canadian roommate that was there for about a month. So actually for like five months of the season, I was in my, in my own apartment. <laughs> nice. So that yeah. worked out. Uh, but both of my roommates were really cool. I still talk to those guys like at least once, twice a week. Um, there was mostly Swedish guys on the team, though. Um, I think all but us four were uh, Swedish. Um, but our team was really weird because we were in this really small, you know, kind of shitty town. All the guys lived in the big city like an hour away and just commuted to practice. So we never really had that, like, team bonding stuff. We only had, like, three team events outside of the rink the whole season. And that was, like, beginning – Christmas and end of the year. Um, so I, I'm very used to always having like the boys together, you know, that camaraderie and stuff like that. And so that kind of sucked not having that. Um, but uh, the Slovak guys lived in the same apartment complex as me. So, you know, of course they didn't bring an Xbox or anything like that. So they were <laughs> always over my house trying to play some games and stuff like that. And, um, they were pretty cool. We would go train, you know, every day together, we would have extra ice time in the mornings and, you know, we'd go work out together and stuff. So at least, you know, we had some good, uh, relationships there. And, um, but, uh, once, uh, we made it like halfway through the season, everything just kind of crumbled. <laughs> what do you mean? What, what, like, cause it was that during Corona or no, no, we actually finished, I think like, our last game was like three days before the town's first case or something like that. So we actually got to finish our season. Um, but our whole first line pretty much got called up. And um, once that happened, it was yeah. like, all right, we are, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, oh you never hear that perspective. I feel like Fred, you're always hearing stuff about like you know how did it feel to get called up or whatever, but you rarely yeah. hear the perspective from the team that those guys actually got removed from. And it's like, well, what happened afterwards? If that only yeah. makes sense. It really sucked because I was talk. My coach called me into his office and was like, "Hey, like, there's some teams in like the league above us that are very interested in you. You might be able to like go up in like the next month or whatever." And then our whole first line got taken up and then those coaches were like well we're just going to keep watching you and see what happens and we went on like an 11 game skid yeah. where i'm giving up like seven goals six goals four right. you know i think i gave up nine once um <laughs> it was it was so difficult just mentally <laughs> i'm sorry i'm laughing i'm thinking no, about sure it was be comical rough. in a way um, I'm thinking about, about like I'm thinking about what you told us before the show started, and that's why I'm laughing. Oh yeah, no, yeah. it was a it was a shit show for sure. <laughs> um, I think on European ice, like you know how it's much wider. That's right. Yeah, I averaged 48 shots a game on oh European ice. Jesus Christ! Wow. <laughs> so I had a lot of work. I was you know coming into the dressing room like every single period. You know, we'd finish a game and, you know, it was like, how did I just give up seven goals? But you might but have made like, like 40 stops yeah. or something like that. So, um, But it was also in a way like I've always played on kind of lesser teams except for my year in Florida. All of my teams were kind of like middle to bottom of the pack. Mm-hmm. So I always was used to that. So I kind of enjoy it unless we get, you know, spanked but (laughs) um but like our first win of the year i had like a 49 safe shutout just something that will never happen again just dumb (laughs) luck (laughs) um we had some really i think we had two shootout wins that were like an absolute battle um but you know it it, there's also like the catch 22 it can be really shitty at times but at the same time like i think out of the 12 games or whatever that we won it was like heroic that we won you know like no one expected us to win and we somehow pulled it out of our asses so you know sweden was it wasn't quite what i was expecting because i didn't get that big you know normal city aspect of the country that everyone knows Mm -hmm. because no one thinks about like the small shitty little towns that surround it because there's only so many big cities in the country because it's pretty tiny Right. So most of it is all this farmland and just like small, boring, boarded up business towns. Yeah, I feel like most people just think it's bikini models, house music, and Svedka. <laughs> yeah, that maybe in the cities that's how it is. Yeah. But where I was, it was like, you know, the club was only open one day a week, and there right. was a pizza joint attached to it. <laughs> so, right, it wasn't you know the most exciting in terms of that stuff, but. You know, we made the most of it and had a good time still. Um, but I definitely am going to try to find a, a better place to play in terms of where I am in the in the country. <laughs> right, and that's kind of what I wanted to ask you. Is you know, I think you mentioned you're a free agent now. So what's what's kind of your plan going forward? You want to find a different country? You want to stay in Sweden? What's what what's going on? You know, I've had this conversation with my agent at least five times, <laughs> and it. it <laughs> I would love to play in multiple different countries. You know, I would love to play for the next 10 years if I could. Mm -hmm. Um, 
if I stay in Sweden the whole time, so be it. Um, you know, my, my thing is I just want to play. I want to move up. You know, I want to take this game as far as I can with whatever time I have. Um, you know, growing up around here, hockey was always so small and, you know, no one ever really thought that anyone could really do much from around here. So I'm trying to, you know, uh, you know, I, for the kids I coach and, you know, for all the people that, you know, think it's not possible, I, I want to make it, you know, a reality for a lot of other people in this area. That's awesome. No, it's I'm not great... saying I'm going to make it to the NHL because that dream is long gone. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to go as far as I can with, you know, whatever I have left in me and no, it's that's a see great, what happens. Yeah, it's a great message. I I I love that because you're right. I think a lot of people in this area, unless you're part of the hockey community, if you tell people, "Oh, I play hockey," they 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 kind of either give you like a raised eyebrow. Or they're like, "You mean like ice?" I'm like, "No, dumbass." Like <laughs> field or I don't know, but it, it I I like that. I really do. It's a good message. Thank you. So I'm noticing that uh, that lovely Ole Kolzig sweater on the wall behind you. Oh, I mean, yeah. growing up, I'm assuming, you know, like all smart, good people from Maryland, you're a Caps fan. And was um, was Kolzig your inspiration? I mean, is he the reason you wanted to play goal in the first place? Um, I, my, my mom, like going back to when the first time I went to the rink, my mom said I was mesmerized by the goalie gear, never took my eyes off the goalies. Even if the play was at the other end, I would just still be looking at the goalie. So I think that kind of started it. Um, And then my dad's boss had like season tickets, but could only make half the games. So we would go to like 12 to 15 games a year. Um, And they were like eight rows back from the home goal. So I got to literally sit behind Kolzig, you know, every time, every time we went. Wow. And you know, that's that's how the number 37 came into my life and uh, never looked back. Nice. Were there any other, you know, NHL goalies that you watched growing up that you sort of tried to model your game after? Honestly, as a kid, I watched every single game that I could every, I would, you know, when YouTube was first started popping up or, you know, whatever search engines, I was just looking up goalies all day, every day. Um, Cause there was no goalie coaches here when I was a kid. That's Um, true. The one guy, um, one of the bigger guys around here now, he was still playing when I was a kid. So, um, you know, he didn't start coaching, I think, until I had left for juniors. Um, so I was just, you know, YouTubing and Googling how to, you know, just to watch other goalies and how to get better. And so I watched everyone. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't care what style they had. I didn't care anything, you know, what league they played in. It was just, you know, where could I find a training video that I could go try a practice that night or something? That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, I feel like that's kind of the, kind of the memo for people, you know, our age or around our age, you come up with the generation of YouTube and all of a sudden you're learning all this like crazy shit that people are like, where'd you learn that? You're like the internet. And then yeah, YouTube kind of- and then my driveway. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would you classify yourself as? Are you more of like a butterfly stand up? What's your style? Yeah. I go down on every shot. I think every goalie does now. <laughs> there is no stand-up or hybrid anymore. Yeah. I think last year I made one save on my feet because the guy shot it like over the net and I like jumped to headbutt it or something. <laughs> like, yeah. Nice. So so we've talked a lot about, you know, where you've been and your experiences there. So I think we should probably ask you, what's been your coolest experience in your career so far? 
or your most memorable, whichever. Honestly, one of my most memorable games ever was playing Calvert Hall in high school. Oh, shit. <laughs> because, <Uh-oh. laughs> I mean, like in junior, there's a lot of things I could talk about throughout college and juniors and stuff like that. Like we won the Crab Pot tournament a couple years in a row with Towson. Like that was pretty cool. Um, but I remember getting to play against Dieter and Curtin and those guys um, for like the first time ever. And it was always this huge rivalry of like, oh, you know, Calvert Hall's the private school. We have a better program, you know, whatever. And we we got so lucky that year that we had a kid that ended up going to Shattuck and then on to, you know, the OHL. He now plays in the ECHL. Wow. Um, we had another kid that went to play juniors. Um, so that year we just had two dominant kids that could skate circles around anyone in you know, Maryland high school hockey, pretty much. I think we tied you guys. Um, and I think I made a breakaway save, like with literally three seconds left, I did a split and the puck just sat under my leg. Nice. And, uh, that was probably one of the, my most memorable things was just the nonstop going back and forth up to that game. And then, you know, us tying you guys, I think we both won States that year though, for the different leagues or whatever. Um, so that was pretty cool to, you know, not get blown out by the team that everyone thought was going to smoke us. <laughs> those games had a good atmosphere too. I remember those were like usually Friday nighters at Ice World, and they had yeah they had some good atmospheres, decent amount of fans. Yeah, well, for Maryland high school hockey, yeah, it might as well be the Stanley Cup. So yeah, you, you don't get too much going around here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's awesome. I mean, it's kind of kind of telling that like you know you see the, where you've played and what you've done with your career and what you plan to do and the one experience that you kind of think about most is like a high school hockey game in Maryland. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was, I don't know. It just has stuck with me all this time. Yeah. Brian, I want to rewind just for a second. You kind of mentioned it there with the, you know, that breakaway save, but earlier you talked a little bit about like, you know, shootout wins that are just a battle to, to get the W I'm curious from a goalie's perspective, what's a shootout like and, and um, you know, what kind of mental focus does that take? And, you know, whether it's a short one or whether it's one of them long ones or whatever. I'm curious what you have to say on that. I personally love them because in a way, like you, you just played a 60 minute game. So everyone's dead and you know that the best players on the other team are coming at you. So it's literally you versus whatever their best options are. There's no worry about a backdoor pass. There's no worry about a, you know, stupid turnover or a screen in front. Like it's just you and one other person. And that to me is the best part about playing. I love the one-on-one aspect um, just because there's no threat of anything else happening. It's just, all right, who's going to be better in this exact moment? Um, So I've always practiced breakaways for like 15 minutes at the end of every session or whatever um that kid i was just talking about that now plays in the echl we would train together almost every morning and we'd skate for an hour and a half and at least 30 minutes of it would be breakaways (laughs) and he ended up being a shootout master in the o and (laughs) i ended up being pretty decent amount of my uh in my own right um but i think uh from the mental side honestly i just something about the shootout i can go up to my teammates and just go, don't worry, boys, we, we got it. <laughs> like, I just kind of know. Um, 
I think we last year we had two shootouts, I think. And throughout the season, I think we gave up some penalty shots throughout as well. I think I faced a total of like 18 penalty shots or something like that. And I only gave up one. Um, I, I live for that moment. I love you only get it like maybe two or three times a year, but it is that's my favorite part of the season. Is how it, uh, how aggressive are you typically? I mean, do you very, sort of vary? Yeah. So you're that kind of guy. Yeah, I uh, I love the splits, um, and I love you know, I always the kids that I coach, I always tell them to match the speed with the shooter, and that way if they don't shoot it you know, they have to pick a side and you already have so much momentum that they end up having no space. And, uh, yeah, that's, I always come out to like the hash marks on a breakaway and then back up with their speed. It's awesome. So yeah, it's maybe not the hash marks. That's a little aggressive. Maybe a couple <laughs> steps before the hash marks. Is that a common, uh, is, that, is this like a common trait among goalies where they kind of live for this or do some dread it? I mean, what, what's, what's the general consensus? I know some goalies that hate them with a passion um probably for the same exact reason that you know they're used to the other part of the game and you know that's the only time because it only happens every so often not too many people spend too much time on it um but yeah a lot of the kids i coach are like well do we have to do breakaways like i don't want to do this (laughs) and i'm just like well (laughs) do you want to win in shootouts or not yeah. <laughs> Keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. Um, who's the best player that you've ever played with or against in your career, would you say? Honestly, I don't know. Oh. Because I don't really do the whole, like, I don't work myself up about who we're playing against. Like, you know, we always have, like, the team meeting of, like, okay, this is, like, the line to watch out for. This guy is the best shot. This guy is the best hands, whatever. But, like, growing up, like, in juniors and in college and stuff, I know in juniors that we played against draft picks. I couldn't tell you a single one of their names. But (laughs) I know at one point we played against, like, eight draft picks at one time. Right. Um, And, uh, you know, I I don't know if any of them are even in the NHL or not. (laughs) I just know that I have played against some really good guys, but I never really got myself worked up about it. I think it was always just I needed to go in with the mindset that it didn't matter who we were playing. Um, Just wanted to give my team a chance no matter what. And I think the more I thought about who was at the other end, that would kind of hurt that ability. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but in terms of guys I played with, um, my buddy that plays in the ECHL is probably the highest level um, of anyone. I'm I'm curious out of all the places that you've played what's what's your favorite rink to, that you've played in? I mean, I'm, you've played in probably so many. What is there one rink in general where you're like, "Whoa, this is really cool or unique?" There was, well, when I played in Florida, we played out of the ECHL rink that the Everblades play out of. So getting to play in Germain in the big arena was pretty cool. Yeah. Um kind of gave you something to like look forward to maybe one day. Um I mean, I, in youth hockey, I played at Lake Placid on the Olympic ice. That's obviously, you know, pretty cool. Um, last year, I played – we played a team in, like, a arena for a team in the second league in Sweden. 
So mm-hmm. it was a nice, you know, big stadium there. That was that was pretty cool. Um, I would probably say I, I feel like everyone would say the Olympic ice, yeah. but I I honestly think I was I was too young to really appreciate what that meant at the time. Mm-hmm. So I think probably Jermaine was the biggest one for me because it happened at that time where I was starting to strive for something past, you know, youth hockey or junior hockey or whatever. That's kind of where I realized that I would like to play, you know, for a living or, you know, play professionally. So that would probably be my number one. Mm -hmm. Cool. No, that's, that's awesome. Uh, Mac, you go. I was just going to say, I also, Got to play on that Olympic ice like once in a tournament. I think I must have been like 11 years old and we got our mm-hmm. asses kicked. Up. I just remember like we lost like 10 to 1 or something like that. And our coaches were just like, I remember in between periods, they were like, is anybody having fun right now? And we were all like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of fun. We're playing on the Olympic ice. They were like, no, no, no. Cool. Like, <laughs> Tried to come in yelling at you exactly. like her, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Oh. My next question, I'm going to phrase differently than I probably originally had it scripted. So obviously we talked about the Kolzig jersey above your right shoulder there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to ask you who your favorite player is. I think it's pretty obvious. Um, so I'm going to pin you a different way. Holpe or Kolzig? At the time, like different eras. So who's better? Like, I mean, probably Holpe. Okay. I, I mean, he won a cup. So he took it further than anyone else had before him in the organization. But I think Kolzig was in a time of, you know, rebuild. So he had a lot of tough games where he had to, you know, take a lot of heat. So I I have so much respect for that guy because I've always played on lower end teams and I grew up watching him on a lower end team. Like, you know, it kind of showed me how to react in certain situations and things like that. And, I think, uh, you know, Holpe's great. Uh, I think uh, he needs to adjust a few parts of his games now or his game now because people in the NHL are starting to figure him out. But, uh, no, I, I think uh, Holpe's probably been the most consistent goalie that the Capitals have ever had for sure. Which is refreshing because I was getting a little sick of that carousel from like 2008 through 2012. Just where a new goalie like- every year. <laughs> Oh, here's this 22 year old. Oh, nope. Here's this 22 year old. I'm like, okay, this isn't working. Stop, please. Yeah. Or they'd bring in some guys that were like unreal somewhere else, like two years ago, and then just terrible for the Cavs. Halak. <laughs> yeah. He's the only who, good around other organizations or against the Caps. Yeah. And then when he for the Caps, it's just. Ugh. Yeah, he found his career after the Capitals. <laughs> Uh, do you guys have any questions? I mean, I, I kind of fired all mine off. The only other one I was actually going to ask, um, I know I asked about shootouts, but I also wanted to go back to shutouts for a second. Um, because you know, the, our last interview, we asked, uh, another goalie about how it feels to, you know, make a big save, uh, late in the game or late in the overtime game. That's super important. And, and kind of how that compares to scoring a big goal as, as a skater. But I'm curious, like, about the feeling of a shutout or how it feels when, you know, it's late in the game and you kind of know like, all right, I've got a pretty good chance at this, but like, you know, you don't want to think about it too much. What's going through your head in those kind of moments? Yeah, it can be pretty, pretty nerve wracking uh, sometimes, um, especially against like some teams that you shouldn't even be close with. 
you know, that kind of weighs down on you at the end of the game. Like, you know, how are we even still in this? Um, but uh, I think that's what, that's the whole point of playing, right? Is to come up big in big moments. Um, you know, the more you can do that, the higher level you're going to play at. Um, so I think that's literally every time I go into a training session, those are like those moments that you're thinking about, you know, if you're practicing like backdoor plays, you're literally thinking like there's a minute left on the clock. We're winning. Like you have to stop it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I actually listened to the interview last week and with the other goalie and I think he hit it, you know, nail on the head and, um, you know, it, big moments is that's, that's what you live for. You know, if, if you can come up big in those times, you're the hero. You know, it, you could have faced 50 shots that game, but if you don't make that backdoor save in the last 30 seconds to lose the game, then you're, you know, the opposite of the hero. <laughs> you're the reason why your team lost. You know, so um, it kind of sucks at times because you do get, you know, some backlash when you probably don't deserve it. And then other times you get a lot of praise when you probably don't deserve it. <laughs> so... You know, but th those backdoor plays are probably the best feeling. Um, shootouts, like I said, are my favorite, but, you know, close second would be making a big backdoor stop or like a big glove save or something like that from the slot. Like, that, that's that's why you play for those moments. Sure thing. And, and you know, is, is it ever on your mind going into a game? I feel like, you know, a, a typical forward on any hockey team before any game, no matter who he's playing, he's like, oh, I want to score a goal today. Like, do, yeah. do you go into a game thinking, I want to get a shutout today? Or is that not even on your mind until it's late in the game and you realize, oh, I could get it tonight? Honestly, the, I think the more you tell yourself that you're going to do something like that, it works against you. Um, I did a program last year with like a mental training coach. Um, when we went on that huge 11 games kid, when I needed, you know, something to change, um, <laughs> we talked about that a lot. Um, you know, kind of psyching yourself out before you even step onto the ice. Um, you know, it's one thing to be confident and, you know, direct with yourself, but you're never expected to, you know, get a shutout. Um, but when it does happen, obviously it's an amazing feeling. Um, but it def like maybe 10 minutes left in the game. You're like, all right, like this could be the day. <laughs> if you give up that goal, you're like, ah, like, all right, you know, whatever, maybe next time. But like, once you get it, it's, it's like, you know, you just have to, you know, throw your hands up in the air. Like the boys all come like jumping into you. It's, it's a good time. In your opinion right now, who would you say is the best goaltender in the NHL? Hellebuck. Okay. Good. Answer. I like that answer. Good I'm answer. not just saying that because he won the Vesna. Yeah. I'm saying that because he faces, I think, I think last year was like the third most shots in the league. The, I think he was the first or second in quality scoring chances against. And he put up top five numbers. Yep. Unbelievable. What a year. Well, and the Jets are, you know, they're good, but it's not like he has, like, the best team in front of him, no. you know? So I feel like that also says a lot about him, that, that he yeah. helps them stay in almost any game. Yeah, he faces a lot of shots. He faces a lot of quality shots, and he gives his team the chance to win every time he's in there. So 
I think that's that's what you look for. That's that's what every coach wants. So I think he's my number one for last year for sure. Yeah, definitely. Just one last thing from me, and I've mostly because I'm kind of fascinated by it, but something that I think you just mentioned to Mac a little bit ago was, you know, like a sports psychologist almost. Is that what you were seeing? Yeah, he. I mean, he'd works with only hockey players, but uh, you know, he was a mental training coach. That's what he calls himself. Is is there any like, I mean, what was that whole experience like? Because one of the things that I always found most fascinating um, was a Chicklets interview with McKinnon, where he talks about when he was going through struggles his sophomore year. Uh, he went and saw a sports psychologist. He's been working with him ever since, and it just kind of like. I don't know why, but it, it, it like resonates with me. I'm like, I wonder what they say or what approaches they tell their players to take in order to get them out of a funk. So I'm curious if there's anything that uh, you could tell us about that. Yeah, no, you just kind of discover or it, it really makes you think more than anything. Because um, most of the time, like if you have a bad game, you don't even want to think about it, right? Um, you know, anything in life, if something goes wrong, like you just kind of want to brush it to the side and not really focus on it. Um, and they just kind of help you realize like, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? How can we turn your weaknesses into strengths? And what can you be saying in your mind or what kind of mindset can you have going into things to better prepare yourself for success rather than failure? Um, I think it was a eight week program I did with this guy, uh, Vinny Maltz. Um, he played some pro in his day and stuff like that. He's you know, very upbeat, very energetic. Um, you know, all the guys on the call, I think we had maybe 10 or 12 people in our group and everyone was engaged every time we were on the calls. Uh, we would do it just like this on like a zoom call or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, everyone was answering questions. Everyone was asking questions. Um, it it was a lot of, I don't want to say fun, but in a way it kind of was fun to kind of discover some things that you never really think about, about yourself. Um, and it really does help you kind of prepare for things a lot better and come in with a whole different mindset that you never really thought um, could help. Um, back to that thing where you asked like, you know, do you go in telling yourself to get a shutout or whatever? You know, when I was younger, that's pretty much how it was. I was like, all right, today I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, not get scored on or whatever. But then when you give up a goal, you're like, oh crap, I didn't, you know, fulfill my expectations for the day. And then all of a sudden three more in the net before you even blink. So now, you know, this guy Vinny was all about like the team aspect of everything and like how to communicate with your team and your coaches, you know, how to be a better guy in the locker room, how to be a better guy on the ice, you know, pretty much just all around what can you do to make sure that you have success. And I, I mean, I think I will work with him every season from, you know, until I'm done wow. playing. Wow. Yeah. He, he was, he was awesome. Very well put. And I think that's one thing that um, a lot of people think about goalies is, you know, what, what are the head games going on? Cause you kind of have to be stone cold. Yeah. I was a very angry child. Um, I broke a lot of sticks in my day <laughs> before <laughs> I realized yeah. that, that was not okay, but yeah, no, once you realize it, it, it definitely helps a lot. Well, that's awesome. And uh, glad to hear that it's working out for you. Is anybody else? Nick? No, I think that's it. Mac? I'm all good. 
Well, Brian, I think that's kind of all we got. We we really appreciate your time. Um, we're wishing you best of luck whenever the next season may start. <laughs> and uh, if, if you're ever willing to come back on, we'd love to get you back on sometime next year. Yeah, guys, anytime. Well, we Absolutely. Appre- we appreciate the time and good luck next season. Thanks for having me on. And uh, another thanks to Brian. That was an awesome interview. Um, Thanks to all our interview guests over the last couple episodes. It's been a lot of fun for us. We hope it's been fun for you guys as well. And we are very grateful for all of you. Um, And speaking of past interview interview guests, um, if you listen to our episode with Zach Fucali, you know about his sports company, Living Sisu. Living Sisu gives you access to over 100 sports-related discounts from their partners. It's free, and you will have the opportunity to join a great sports community. Sisu means determination, resilience, tenacity, and perseverance. If you even like sports a little bit, it's a no-brainer to join from their website, livingsisu.com, or from ours, emptybetters.com. Check it out and follow them on Instagram at living.sisu. We are so legit. Like, Well said. For all of you who have listened since the start, this this is exactly the wet dream we had from episode one, and now it's here. Oh. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Early beers on the West Coast today. I love it. Yeah, it's 2.30. <laughs> you know, we got a Venn's game coming up. It's PM. Yeah, you're fine. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so the hockey news. Uh, I used to get this magazine all the time uh, when I was a kid, and uh, unfortunately I don't anymore because I, I don't know who still gets paper magazines. Uh, but – Anyways, they released their annual list of the top 50 players in the league. Uh, 10 to 1, here's how it stacked up. Number 10, Nikita Kucherov. Number 9, Braden Point. Harry, not looking good there for us. Shut up. Uh, number 8, Elias Pettersson. Number 7, Victor Hedman. Number 6, Leon Dreisaitl. Number 5, David Pasternak. Number 4, Artemi Panarin. Number 3, Sidney Crosby. Number 2, Connor McDavid. And number 1, Nathan McKinnon. I want to pose this question to you guys because I really think we should be talking about this. Are we at the point where we can say that Nathan McKinnon is the best player in the league ahead of Connor McDavid? It's really hard, honestly, in my opinion. I think that it's it is it's hard because McKinnon to me doesn't do as much alone as Connor McDavid does alone for the Oilers. And granted, I know Leon Drysaddle's there. I'm not trying to take away from that. I just think that McKinnon as an individual, if you take away the teams that are on, you know, their teammates and their other talented line mates and stuff like that. If you just look at the player, Connor McDavid alone versus Nathan McKinnon alone, I'm not sure I can say that Nathan McKinnon is like a more skilled player than Connor McDavid. I just think that his kind of, presence on the avalanche works as more of a like a stronger force currently than mcdavid's does for the oilers if that makes any sense that's kind of my thoughts on it yeah it makes sense harry what do you think um this list is kind of bullshit in my opinion um (laughs) mcdavid is the best player in the world and to me it's not even close um you know i i just don't think that nate is at, he's the second best player in the world. I will give you that. I think Crosby at three is appropriate. I'm taking my uh, hometown bias away a little bit. But, 
Yeah, I, I just think Connor is by far and away the best player. Let's put it this way. If he doesn't get hurt for like a three-week stretch this season, he won the heart. It wouldn't be Leon. He was leading the league in points, right? Um, and I also just think McKinnon, granted, he's the best player, but he plays on arguably the best team in the league, minus maybe the Lightning. So um, That's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, he's just got a shit ton of weapons. And there's more weapons coming, by the way. The Avalanche are sick. <laughs> they're, they're I mean, they're how many – how many blue chip defensive prospects do they have? I, I'm losing count, but yeah, exactly. So, so what you're saying is sort of, I mean, this might be an example that pisses you off, but when people were saying that Crosby was a better player than Ovechkin, when they were saying who's back and forth, who's better, Crosby was having a lot more success than Ovechkin was. And, you know, granted, I think a lot of people, myself included, would say that, you know, Crosby was probably the best player in the world at that time. Do you think that whole success factor is sort of, you know, amplifying people's ranking of this player. Is that what you think is going on with McKinnon? Because, I mean, the Avs made a deep run in the playoffs. The Oilers struggled against a Blackhawks team and then, you know, just sort of flatlined. So I do think it's that way. And if you look at the way that 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 the playoffs went with the Oilers losing to the Blackhawks, McDavid was doing everything he could. I mean, we were betting him to get like, there was a bunch of prop bets that were like McKinnon over like, two and a half points and we were like oh that's a no-brainer like he's good like anytime you think that it's a no-brainer that a certain player is going to get three points on a given night like he it wasn't his fault is what i'm trying to say it wasn't and let me also just preface the statement crosby has always been better than ovechkin and it doesn't matter about success you ain't gonna change my mind on that so two to one just saying. Oh, um, to anyway, one. Yeah, okay. Three to us, one of you. Three no, to I, one. I knew oh, that was coming. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Uh, no, but going back to what you said about this list being bullshit, if you guys want to see one of the worst hatchet job lists of all time, go see numbers 11 through 50 because it is appalling. Uh, they have... Can I, can I interject? Yeah. The biggest crime on this list, where is Patrick Kane? He's not dead. He's, He's not in dead. the teens. Him and Ovi are like 15th and 16th. To me, it doesn't make any sense that, and you know, again, I'm a homer, but I don't see how Crosby can be number three and then Ovi isn't even in the top 10. Like that doesn't really, like, I, I just don't, I don't see that. And, and granted, I'm not saying Ovi should be above Crosby. I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying like they're, they're of similar talents at this point in their career. I think. I, I agree that I, I knew this was going to come up. And this is something that I think we need to talk about a little bit is should Ovechkin be in there? In my opinion, and it depends what the term best players is so general. I definitely think depending on what you have the list as, he's got to be somewhere between like eight and 12, in my opinion. I I believe that. And this is such, it's so hard to pick 10, but like, are we really saying Jack Eichel at 13th, Austin Matthews at 12th and Patrick Kane at 14th, Ovi's at uh, 15th? I mean... Dude, uh, the fact that Eichel's not in there is also. Awesome. The I that, think it's a little bit of a hatchet job to put those guys that low. Dude, I don't think oh, I think Ovi's better than Elias Pettersson. Like, don't get me oh, wrong. Hands down, young, talented player, but like yeah, in, number in three eight? or four oh, years, wow. that's obviously going to change. Yeah, but... I don't know if Elias Pettersson belongs at number eight or even in that top ten. To be honest, I don't think he's better than Braden Point or Kucherov either. And this might like, I. I don't have the exact stat to back it up, but um, there were some stats that came out earlier this season before the pandemic when the Canucks were rolling 
and they had a graphic of most points played in f- first 100 games, whatever. I don't know what it is. Patterson was actually legitimately with the names Crosby, Ovechkin, McDavid. He's right there. So do I think he's better than Ovechkin? I, uh, I, no, not – I don't know. See, how do you say better? Like, he's a center. It's almost – so, Yeah, probably. it's so subjective. And I think it's the, weird having, like, Hedman on that list. Like, yeah, too, like right? it like, needs to be broken up by position. I think the biggest crime on this list is going to be Mika Zibanejad at 48. Uh, Mark, Ooh. if you're listening, I'm about to stand up for your boy big time here. Here's some of the players that they put in front of this guy who had arguably one of the best seasons all year and I think who could have been a dark horse for the heart if he really wanted to. Kyle Connor was ahead of Mika Zibanejad. <laughs> no Sean Couturier was ahead of Mika oh, Zibanejad. Come on. Mark Stone was ahead of Mika Zibanejad. Okay. Stone, that's no. that's hard. They're similar. They're similar in that they're both kind of on their on their downhill of their career at this point, and they're making a big impact for their team still. But once again, I actually think that's another impact where it's like the Knights are sick, so they were like, oh, Mark Stone is sick. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't... I just, I, this list dead. sucks. This list kind of it, sucks. It really does. Uh, who's better, Mika Zibanejad or Bo Horvat? Mika Zibanejad. Dude, yeah. Apple That's Storm the person directly in front of him. Like, what, it's such Horvat. a weird comparison. It's like... Yeah, I think this could get a lot of people riled up this segment. I think that's uh, kind of why it's included. <laughs> yeah. The fact that there's one, two, three, there's three lightning in the top 10. I mean, Ugh. Jesus. Jesus. Thanks. So, uh, yeah, if I had to make an edit, Eichel a thousand percent belongs in there. Um, I think Matthews probably belongs. I don't know if Braden Point belongs in there. I got to be honest with you. I'm not sure. That might just be a little bit of recency bias, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm also. I mean, I'm, he had a, he had an un, unreal playoffs, he, and that's he, probably why he's there. To be honest, but, but. like the fact that they put Hedman at seven, and there's not another defenseman until like seventeenth. It it kind of you know what this list feels like. Have you got? And I know you guys said you're actually not super big on fantasy hockey um, as much so as you know fantasy football and some other stuff. But I've always been a big fantasy hockey guy, and this to me feels like you know you've just been invited to the league or you just created the league or whatever. And you're making your rankings cause it's an auto draft or whatever. And you're just like listing your players that you want the computer to draft if they're available at that thing. And you really care about like the top 10. And then after that, you're kind of just like, uh, I don't know. And you're like just throwing players in there. And it's like, yep. you know what I mean? Like at a certain point, they probably were putting somebody at 48 and they're like, Oh shit. Wait, we yeah. forgot about this guy. I guess this guy just has to be number 48 now because we didn't even remember, like, shit like that, you know? Yeah, no, I, I actually think that's a great comparison, and I would probably agree with it, but uh, I, I don't want to beat this to a dead horse because I might offend a lot of people listening to this, uh, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut. But, yeah, it's the list is kind of bullshit. Yeah, so that wraps up the hatchet job that the Hockey News did in ranking Wait, the 50 best players. Before, before we end the segment, I mean – this is a yes or no question, no elaboration. Is it unfair to me to say Ovi's between 8 and 12? Like, is that reasonable, yes or no? I think that's reasonable. I can agree I with don't that. know if that's okay. necessarily where I would put him, but I think that's a reasonable opinion. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think he's top five. I'm just going to say that. But anywhere after that, I can't really argue. Also, just last thing, I promise. Nick Backstrom nowhere near that list. Just that's, makes that's, my okay. blood yeah. just boil. Fuck. 
Oh God! Couturier. Criminally underrated. Couturier Just, is not better than Nick Backstrom. Dude, Nick no. Backstrom's a million times better than Couturier and Kyle Connor. Fuck. Jack <laughs> <laughs> is getting heated. Let's go. Uh, God damn. Um, yeah, so that wraps up the hatchet job that the Hockey News did with their top 50 players. A uh, couple quick last things. One last thing about the World Juniors. Uh, the Lightning, uh, your prospect that plays for the Slovakian national team. This is not good. Jesus, uh, he, yeah. This is pretty bad. So Tampa Bay Lightning prospect Maxim Kajovic, I'm sure I butchered that, has been excluded from the Slovak national team for serious violations of sports and human values. Apparently what that means is unsportsmanlike conduct, including fouls, dirty hits, and a whole lot of more during this past Sunday scrimmage. So he was just laying out and murdering his own teammates uh, and they send him home. So uh, not a great look. So he's not going to get to play in the tournament. And uh, I'm sure his teammates sort of now just hate him. I mean, that sucks for the kid. I mean, he scored two goals in the scrimmage, but uh, so he's clearly talented, but I, I guess just has some behavior issues. Candy asses. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just Honestly, kidding. like, and uh, this is a total, totally different thing. So maybe this is not a correct analogy to make, but um, uh, this kind of reminds me of that story about that, like Alexander Dag guy or whatever, who was like a sick ass hockey player, but just like, didn't have the right, like attitude and, and everything. And of course, Alexander Dag wasn't going around hurting his own teammates in the scrimmage. So I don't, I don't mean to compare them exactly, but it just reminds me of the type of situation or even like with a guy like Alexander Semen or something like that. Sometimes you have a, a hockey player that's unbelievably skilled, but they've got something else going on. That's just like not going to work. And, and at a certain point, and sometimes you have to cut that cord earlier rather than later. But like we see here, it's like at a certain point, dude, you just can't have a guy like that in your locker room or on the team or even in a scrimmage where he's like a liability to plenty of like, I don't care. He scored two goals in that scrimmage too, or whatever. And they had to make the decision like, no, fuck this. It's not worth it. Get this guy out of here. Here's my analogy. He's the best player in the call of duty lobby, but he commits friendly fire 24 seven. So you just got to leave. Boom. There you go. That's That's it. I mean, it's an open and shut case. So, yeah, this guy's great, but he's going to injure half of our team before we get to our first game. So, you know, might as well just send him home. Uh, fun fact of the episode, going to bring this one back. Uh, trivia question for you guys. What was the first professional hockey team that the great one Wayne Gretzky played for? Hmm. This is a trick question. Yeah, keyword professional. That's tough. I'm the Legitimate professional hockey team. I'm not talking... Major junior, I'm not talking, you know, any minor league teams or stuff like that. You know, what was the first professional hockey team he played for? The o- the Oilers? That's my guess. Maybe you tried to over-trick us, and it's so easy that I'm dumb. I, I mean, that is the first, like, NHL team. But, but uh, see, where you're going to trip me is um, where there was the whole, like, is this like a pro hockey association type thing? You know what I mean? Where it's like a, it is technically the, uh, like what was the other pro hockey league back then? The, were, the WHA. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And so is that, is that where the answer to this question lies? So Gretzky did play for the Oilers who did come from the WHA, but before that he was a member of your Indianapolis racers. Wow. That name sounds like you own the team. Right? 
That's oh wow, yeah, amen. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you own a team? <laughs> I wish. Uh, yeah, so Gretz played there for a little bit and then was moved to the Oilers. And then both of those teams were in the WHA and were absorbed when the NHL and WHA merged. Fun fact. Yeah. The more you know. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, that wraps it up for me. Do you guys have anything else? I think that's about it for me. Uh, only thing I have to say is if you actually want Nick to own a hockey team, be sure to go check out our sponsors. Go check out Brackish.life to shop all the coolest Bay Area gear. It's uh, you know holiday season coming up. If you know any outdoorsmen, probably a good place to pick up a performance long sleeve, a hat, whatever. Um, go check out Living Sisu, like Max said earlier. That's uh, Zach Fucali's brand who joined us last episode. And obviously – Go check out our website where you can find a link to our shop at teespring.com where you can get all the latest and greatest empty betters gear. There is actually a discount discount code going on for the month of December to get you 10% off. Just type in EB10 at checkout. That's the promo code. Yeah, one last thing just to echo that, guys. Harrison said it best. It's holiday season. It's gift-giving season. I can think of more than a half a dozen at least of you listeners that I know are, are solid weekly listeners that I know you have family members who would love a brackish life t-shirt or hat who would love something we have in the EB store. Check it out guys. Buy some merch. It's the best time of year to do so. I'm not even gonna lie. Nick and I have been wearing these EB trucker hats for probably months now and they literally are the best hat that I own. They're it looks, sick. It looks great. Mesh back. It's my favorite hat, hands down. It's a really sharp hat. We're not just saying that. Go buy an EB trucker hat, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, I think that wraps it up, fellas. Can we all yeah. All righty. Well, thank you all for listening. We appreciate the love and support. Thank you to Brian for joining us this episode. We got some big ones coming up. Uh, I'll leave it at that. And without further ado, class dismissed.